0: Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense with Dr. Bobby Conway. This is a portion of a sermon delivered at Image Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. To hear the full message, head over to imagechurch.live and click watch. Hope you enjoy.
1: Well, that said, how many of you have seen uh, Karate Kid? All right. I mean, who has not seen Karate Kid, right? I mean... We, uh, you haven't seen Karate Kid Ball? What's wrong with you, bro? Okay, okay, well, you got a project tonight, Mo. I mean, you got to get, it. I've seen it. oh, okay, you were joking. Okay, I was like, oh, okay, okay. You just had, there you go, I'm with you. So he has seen it, we forgive him. Uh, but Karate Kid, you know, you remember, I mean, I was probably in fifth grade when that thing came out, and like, I was so inspired after it, I went out and got in the fight, literally, on the way home pretty stupid. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I was just living in an unrealistic world. And, and I even did this. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I did not do that stance. Uh, can you imagine just like doing that? Yo. Um, but all that to say, Daniel's son struggled uh, with the ways of Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi, you'll remember, he showed up at his pad and Mr. Miyagi's thinking, you know, let's refresh this a bit. Let's fix it up. And he had all these cars and and, and he basically started teaching him how to wax on, wax off. wax off. And he was vexed. Remember, he's like, Why am I doing this? I just want to fight. Why are you making me go through this wax on, wax off motion? Well, similarly, God has Mr. Miyagi ways for us. He asks us to do things that don't always make sense. He's telling us, wax on wax off. And we're like, why? I mean, I just want to get out and do what you have in store for me. This doesn't make any sense why you're asking me to do this. I mean, if you know the story of Naaman in the Bible, he was healed of leprosy. He was irate when the prophet said, go dip in the river seven times. It made no sense to him. I mean, can you imagine Joshua uh, telling the people, hey, what we're going to do over the next week is we're going to march around the walls Once each day, and on the final day, we're gonna do seven days. Or imagine Ezekiel, you know, God saying, give me 390 days, you know, on your side, and then flip over and give me another 40 on your other side while you play with pots and pans throughout the year. This is odd, right? And so there are ways in the Bible, the Mr. Miyagi ways, you know, God's ways that don't always make sense to us. And today, we come to one of those wax on, wax off passages of Scripture. And the question before us will be, hats on or hats off? And I'm going to conclude by saying, hats off. Now, you're thinking, what are you even talking about with hats on or hats off? Well, uh, in that particular culture, there was much consternation about women who would show up in church without their hats on. And so people were arguing, and this church, it was a very cultural thing. But if we read it through the Lake Norman lens of where we live, we'll be like, man, they're really bound up about some of this stuff. What's the big deal? Well, we have to understand their culture. It's chronological snobbery to think when we read that passage, that they're just tweaked. And so what we can do is be like, why wax on, why wax off, why hats on, why hats off? Let's just get to the application. And a lot of times we don't like to do the gritty work of study, of thinking through things that allow us to be able to understand God's application. So what we're gonna do then is we're not going to pass over this passage today. Some of you might pass out while I'm talking because it probably will be very boring. Uh, But listen, I, I hope a couple things. Number one, that you can know that you're in a church that's not gonna conveniently skip over difficult passages. If I was a congregant and I sat out in the audience every week, that would really be a value to me if I was looking for a church. I would get suspicious if the pastor only went to the passages that preached, if he only went to the passages that were warm and fuzzy, if he only went to the passages that inspired everybody, because I would wanna know what all of God's truth has to say, and I would also wonder, does he really believe it if he's skipping it? And so I don't wanna skip it because I believe it. And I also will take the time to try not to get too much in the weeds, but honestly, I don't do some explaining; you won't know what's going on. So we got to get in the weeds a little bit today. And there are days where you don't have to get in the weeds, and that's always great. So the warm and fuzzy ones today—that like that—you you know, you get the heart people, and they go, "Oh my goodness! Just give me my applications." You do not understand? I'm dying this week, and you're going to talk to me about whether or not I need to wear a hat. And I'm like, I get it, but I will give you some applications that are bigger than that. Okay. Others of you are like, oh, this is great. Can you even give some of the Greek words today, Bobby? I mean, can we just kind of like parse those out and like tweak on, uh, can we diagram the passage together, right? Like, so there's different ends, right? And, you know, I try to balance that head, heart, hand thing together for us because I think it's important that we have all of that because the Bible aims at the head, heart, and the hands. It teaches us, doctrine, to think right. It teaches us how to have relationships and to love right, the heart. And it even teaches us how to get busy and to serve and to love and and to get out there and do biblical justice. So the Bible is a holistic book. And what happens is when you just teach head, you become imbalanced. You You can get a very arrogant church that knows how to think right, but they don't know how to love right. When you just get around and talk about loving all the time. Well, you might be loving, but you might have a misconstrued idea of what love is because you haven't taught yourself how to think right. And so you can end up in a situation where you're a part of a church that's all about love or it's all about doctrine or it's all about acts of service. And what I wanna say is a biblical church should be a head, heart, and hands church. It should be holistic. And if you are wired more of a head person, you'll like today. If you're wired as more of maybe a heart person, you might hate today. And if you're wired as more of a foot person, let's just get busy and do acts of service, well, um, you know, it depends. You might also hate today. Uh, But here's the deal. Head people need to know how to appreciate heart messages and biblical justice messages and about getting busy messages. And heart people need to know how to appreciate the the head and vice versa, all of it. So if we approach Sunday and go, I'm going to find the church that always speaks to my heart. Well, guess what? You might have a really big heart and a small head. Or I'm going to find a church that really speaks to my head. Well, you might have a really big head and a small heart. I think that the best way to approach church is the way that God would have us approach church and that would help us to be holistic and to be balanced and integrated. And so, hats on, hats off, right? Hats off, we know that statement, right? It's a a common term that we use, like, hey, my hat's off to you as in I honor you. Or if a pitcher just threw a no-hitter in a game, he might step out of the dugout and take his hats off and just wave at the crowd. As a form of saying thank you, or other athletes, uh, when the national anthem is performed, it's hats off, and we place the hat over our heart, or some do, uh, and in just rep- in honor of those who shed their blood so that we could have freedom. And then there is even the sense when a lady walks in the room, right? You stand to your feet, and you, and and it's often hats off. Right, like if, if, if you're gonna walk up to a guy that you wanna date someday and he just sits in his chair and you're meeting him for the first time, and he's like, hey, yo, yo, what's up? That's a problem. He should stand to his feet in your presence. Like a lady just walked into the room, right, that, that, that I'm interested in. Now, I think Michelle's eyes just went, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I'm talking about chivalry. Uh, we've lost that in today's culture. But when I was younger, that was, if, if a lady walked into the room and you were gonna meet a lady, you don't just sit still. You would stand up, regardless of the lady. Like if it's somebody you're gonna date or not. It was just a sign of that you are valuable and that I honor you. So there's all kinds of ways that hats off could represent honor. And that was something that happened in the ancient Corinthian culture, whereby people we're discussing this. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and we'll walk through these passages and you might be like, what the heck? But it just helps, doesn't it? Like when we're reading this stuff to go, let's step in their shoes. So what's going on here is you're in this culture where hats off, okay, or hats on. It was argued that women should go to church with their heads covered, with their hats on, right? Or be in public with their hats on. But this is something interesting. Uh, That was also true in the culture at large in Corinth. Like it wasn't just the church. And so what we're gonna get at here is, this is a cultural thing, so how do you navigate as Christians certain cultural passions, and how do we kind of work with the culture that we live in, where can we kind of align, and where do we end up compromising? So it would be seen if a woman in the ancient Corinthian culture walked without her head covered, that she was, um, if she was a married woman and she didn't cover her head, it would be perhaps a sign of a rejection of her God-given gender, like just rejecting uh, differentiation of gender. It would potentially be a sign that she is sexually available because the prostitutes did not cover their heads. And so it would be something like that. And so if you lived in the culture and you saw a lady walking down the street with her head uncovered, you might think, she doesn't respect her husband if she's married and she's showing that she is sexually available or she might be, you know, prostituting herself. Does that make sense? So when you understand that culture and what's going on, it's kinda like if I went to Japan and busted out the sleeve tattoo, they'd be like, um, this could be a problem, right? Where's Marie at? Is she in here? Is that true in certain parts? Yeah, like, like if I went to go into a sauna, you would have to cover that tattoo up, right? Because some of the Japanese might think that I was associated with a gang. Is that correct? Or am I off? See how culturally wise I am right now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know that because Haley and Gideon just went to, Hawaii, or to Japan and they were sharing that. Like, Dad, you couldn't go and have a sauna. And I'm like, well, I'm not really interested in having a naked sauna with a bunch of naked dudes. Like that's, that's a cultural thing that I don't do. Right. I'm like, you know, I find it weird. Like when guys go in a hot tub and they like, at the moment I get in a hot tub and I'm or in a sauna and I'm in my bathing suit and some dude walks in and the buck, I'm out. I'm out of there. Right. That's my cultural, you know, deal. But in Japan, it's very normal, right? Uh, But all that to say, in this particular culture, you would see that happening, and I'm trying to help you just to have the sensitivities to it as we read. So let's check it out. Now, I commend you because you remember me in everything, verse 1, and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. Now, this is debated whether or not Paul is using sarcasm like, I commend you because you remember me and everything. Well, it doesn't sound like he's you know, celebrating them thus far, so is he using sarcasm, or is he just being kind to them in this moment because he's about to deliver a hard punch and he's being objective. He realizes, yeah, while you're pretty jacked up and we've been talking about it, there are some good things about you. And so maybe he's just showing some objectivity here. So we keep reading, And what do we read in verse three? Oh, and by the way, notice it starts in chapter two or chapter eleven in verse two, but verse one goes with the end of chapter ten. You notice that, Um, and the reason is Bishop Stephen Langton in the eleventh century added chapters and verse divisions. So there's one thousand one hundred and ninety-eight chapters in all of the 66 books of the Bible combined, okay? Now, those were just added to help us to navigate the Bible quicker, and it does help. And by and large, the chapters are nicely broken up, but you can see that those chapter divisions aren't inspired because obviously, Paul, in verse one of chapter 11, he's closing out what he was talking about in chapter 10, And therefore, if Bishop Stephen Langton was alive today, we would say, dude, start chapter 11 with verse two. And so that's what we just did, verse three. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. So now what he's gonna do, is he's gonna argue um, about, according to creation, the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, And the head of Christ is God. Now, again, this doesn't sit well with our cultural sensibilities, right? Like you're saying that the head of uh, a wife is the husband. I'm not saying that. I'm reading that right here, though. (laughs) And I think you are, too. And I'm in this really you know, comfortable position of do I compromise to make everybody feel comfortable or do I stick to the word? Right. Now, let's talk about what all this means because it says that Christ, right, um, the head of Christ is God. Well, that sounds like a theological problem because I thought that Christ was God. Well, he is God, but The first person of the Godhead is the Father. The second person is the Son. The third person of the Spirit is the Spirit. There's one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from the Father, the Son comes into the world in his incarnation. And what you see then is they are equal, but there is a difference in the authority structure and how the salvific plan would unfold. So men and women are 100% equal, but there is order. And there's order that is supposed to be in the church and in the household. It doesn't talk about that as it relates to like the government, but we need order everywhere, right? Now in the 1960s, authority started getting chopped down big time. Where we don't value the authority of police, we don't value the authority of government. We don't value the authority of teachers. We don't value the authority of even ministry leaders a lot of times, right? We don't value the authority of men in the home because we saw we the only authority. Well, if everybody's their own authority, what does that equal? Isn't that like anarchy? Right. Now, there's nothing wrong with authority if authority is used in a godly manner. So when you think about authority, you because I'm with you, I live in this culture too, and I understand how these words come off. But, but as a Christian, I'm trying to look at the Bible and go, when it talks about authority, well, you, you, you know, that's a God-given responsibility. And if you have a God-given responsibility, but you don't have the authority to act it out, then that's a problem, right? Like, what do you do in the workplace when you get a responsibility to do a task, to manage a team, but you have no authority to manage a team. Well, that's called basically, you know, an empty responsibility that you can't really bring to fruition. So there's this God-given authority, but authority, we have to keep in mind the way that God would see it, like in a loving, serving, godly kind of way. Now, let's keep reading because... We're trying to do some scriptural work together. And I warned you that this could be very boring. But it says, I want you to understand that the head, now that word head um, is an interesting word. It's the Greek word, uh, kephale. And this is a word that can mean a number of things. It can mean like the skull on your head. So when it says that the head of every um, man is Christ, the head of every woman is her husband and the head of Christ is God, is it saying that the skull of Christ is God, right? Well, no, we wouldn't use it that way. So kephale can mean the skull or it can mean source, okay? But then that's even argued that that's been argued away uh, by lexical scholars as a usage. But I do think that perhaps that could be a way of looking at it. Kephalē is source, so that what? Look at it in that way now. But I want you to understand that the source of every man is Christ. Okay. And the source of a wife is her husband. And the source of Christ is God. So how does that sit with you? Now, here's what I want to say to you right now, too. I'm not, I don't even know what my position is on what I'm teaching today. I'm just up here. Okay. Like, I think some pastors feel like pressure that they've got to have and own a position before they teach. There's just certain passages of the Bible that are, I might be thinking about the rest of my life. And, and I don't want you to feel the pressure to come to a conclusion. Consider you're just being informed today. I'm building your awareness, and you can go home, and what. instead of me trying to indoctrinate you into one way of seeing it, I'm just giving you ways that it's seen and giving you the freedom to think and then you can do your work. And maybe you can share with me a way to see it. But you're not gonna hear me coming down like really clear today. I'm just kind of like dot and dot and dot because it's a very debated thing, right? So the other way of seeing kephale is as kind of uh, the, the authority, right? The, the, the head. So... But I want you to understand, verse three, that the head, the authority of every man is Christ, the authority of a wife is her husband, and the authority of Christ is God. Now, Jesus saw, I can't do anything on my own authority, but what I do, right? So he's equal, but he recognizes that the father has a special authority um, that, that he relates to for the sake of modeling order to creation, verse four. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. So now we get a word about the man if it's hats on. So a man goes in and he prays. And if he prays, but he's got his hat on, he, he dishonors the Lord. So what some people have done is they feel terrible about ever praying with their hat on as guys. And so they take their hat off. Well, this is where that, that comes from. You ever see people do that? When they pray, let's take the hat off. I think it's fine to do that out of a respectful way, but I do not think we're bound by that because keep in mind, the high priest wore a hat. And if anybody was supposed to pray, it was the high priest. So what's going on here? Do we got a contradiction? No, I think we've got the Jewish culture. Uh, They would wear what is known as a prayer shawl, men as well, so they would cover their heads, right? But here what we see is like, oh, if you pray or prophesy, with your head covered as a man, that's wrong. Culturally, it's wrong, right? The high priests wore hat coverings. They wore prayer shawls. Are you excited? I, just, I mean, like, do you guys just feel so deeply moved right now in this moment? <laughs> like, do you just feel like a biblical buzz uh, right now at, under this teaching in this moment? Like, isn't this just amazing?
0: Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener supported show and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show is sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.